Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. We've been talking right through, thank you, uh, all since the beginning of this year, actually, about vision. And so I've spoken recently about the power of our together and then the journey of faith. This morning, I want to speak to you about, it. this has got to be the most practical message I think I've ever preached in my life. I want to speak to you about the gift that everyone needs and the gift that everyone can give. So let's go to Acts chapter 9, verse 26. This is a turning point moment in the early church. And it says this, when Saul, who's later renamed Paul. So we're talking here about the Apostle Paul, all right? But at this point, he's just Saul, the guy who used to persecute Christians. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't believe that he had truly become a believer. They thought he's trying to trap more Christians so that he can then cart them off to jail or even kill them, which is what he's been doing. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles, told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. And when the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea, sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Come with me for a minute. I want you to imagine you are there and you are listening to Saul this fearsome figure whom you've heard about and his reputation has gone before him. He had letters of authority from the uh, religious leaders to be able to go into anyone's house. He had like an unlimited warrant. He could turn up at your house. He could demand to know whether you were a Christian or not. If the answer was yes and you, you confessed Christ, He could literally drag you out of your home and take you away from your family or bring your family with you and take you to jail and throw you in there. And we know that there were even some that He had uh, killed uh, in his zeal for persecuting this news, what he thinks is a sect. And then comes the day when he's going down to Damascus and all of a sudden that comes out of heaven. Our light so intense, it's brighter than the sun because it's different to the sun. And it, it's so bright that he gets off his horse and he falls down and then he hears a voice behind the light. And the voice says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because friend, whenever somebody touches the people of God, Jesus says, you are touching me. Jesus identifies with His people. He's not a remote observer of what's going on in your life or mine. Some of you here that are under the heat of pressure and you feel like God's a long way off. And yet Jesus says to your persecutors, to that pressure, He says, why are you pressuring me? 
because Jesus stands with his people. He stands beside his people. He is for his people. Jesus is one with the people of God. And so Saul hears the voice, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you? The voice returns and says to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I'm hoping you're getting this this morning because some of you who feel alone in your battles and you feel like God is just somehow rather waiting for what I don't know and maybe it's me and I've got to get better and I've got to get stronger and I've got to become this or that. I hope you're hearing what the Holy Spirit is whispering into your heart right now that when somebody touches you, Jesus says, you're touching me. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The pressure is not just about you. The pressure, Jesus says, I'm taking this personally. Amen. I'm taking this personally. You touch my family. If you touch my family, Jesus says, you're touching me. Wow. That gives a whole different level of confidence and boldness, doesn't it? To our life. When we start realising that Jesus walks with us, and not only Jesus walks with us, but if someone touches the apple of his eye, because that's what he calls you, he says to them, he says, you better look out, you're touching my people. I don't think the church, no matter what the media or what may be the current flavour of what the church is about, but according to the Bible, the church is the blood washed people of God that he gave himself for. The church is his bride that he's coming back for. And just as you would not allow somebody to offend your bride, you would not allow someone, if you're a man here, to come up and besmirch the reputation of the one you love. Jesus takes personally every opposition to His people. He takes it on board. Don't think that the church is just some social organisation in the midst of this great thing called community. According to the Bible, we are far, far more than that. We are kings and priests unto our God. We stand in the place of intercession between the problems of this world and the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And these 2,000 years later, we are still praying. God, let your will be done on the earth. Change this world. Fix those things, Lord. Use your church, your people to be able to bring radical change to the world in which we live, a world that's lost, a world that's without deep and abiding hope. And God says, I'm with you. I'm working even though you don't know it. And all those people that got persecuted and said to them in their heart as they got carted off to jail, where's God? Didn't realise that God had written in His appointment diary. Road to Damascus, 2 p.m. Saul. They had no idea as they languished in the jail that God had already written an appointment with this man and was going to turn him around from being the greatest persecutor. I wonder what Paul did and whether he went to those that he had persecuted and apologised and said, I'm sorry. And they went, wow. Who could believe that God could bring that level of change into someone's life? Who could believe that God could transform someone who was so anti-God into being the greatest voice for God of His era and of His day? God did it. God did it in a remarkable way. Come on, I'm hoping you're hearing today because I feel like some of you here, you know, you just need to, to grab a hold of it and say, my God is able. 
My God is able. It's not just a psalm. My God's well able. It's not just a verse. It's not just an encouraging thought in the middle of the night. It's the truth. It's the reality. My God is well able. My God can change that. My God is the answer. So Saul, the most violent opposer of the gospel, has met the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus, been profoundly converted, and it all looks like it's futile. It all looks as though it's for naught because his first attempt at preaching is rebuffed. Nobody listens. They're all going, no, we remember who you are, what you've done. Perfectly understandable. But one of the people listening has got a different spirit. Now his name is Justice, or Joseph rather, but his nickname, you don't get a nickname that is irrelevant to who you are. When I was uh, in high school, my nickname was Tara. Because I come from Tara, out in the west of Queensland. Tara. And that was my nickname. They called me Tara. And I've had a few other nicknames and some of them I'm not sure I could tell you. But they're all associated with something real in my life. Let's read about it in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means what? Son of encouragement. They called this guy the son of encouragement because that was the way he lived. Everywhere he went, he just was an encourager of others. He was from the tribe of Levi, came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field that he owned and he brought the money to the apostles because he's not just an encourager one-on-one, he's an encourager of the vision. He says, what can I do to advance this wonderful vision that God has? And so he begins and says, I've got a block of land I'm not using. Sells that, brings that in. And this guy is the one who hears Saul and sees beyond his past to his potential. See, this morning I'm speaking to you about the gift everyone needs and the gift everyone can give. And that gift is the gift of encouragement. I told you this is going to be so practical, you're going to think, well, this is so simple. Yeah, well, I just think that in a world we live in right now, where it seems to me there's so much discouragement, the taking away of courage, that we need an epidemic of encouragement, of people that can see potential and see beyond people's past. And it's the gift everyone needs and the gift everyone can give. Notice that in Acts chapter 9, the first passage that we read in verse 31 says this, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. I don't know if you realise what was happening in worship this morning, but if you were attuned spiritually, you'd realise that through those songs and through all that was happening, there was the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, that He was there. Most of us, I think, know what it's like to come to church and in worship have the Holy Spirit light up a phrase of a song to you or something that's preached or a conversation in the cafe and it clicks with you and you walk out and you didn't hear all the rest of the song. You heard that bit as the Holy Spirit began to encourage you. When you encourage somebody else, you are doing Holy Spirit work. And think about that the next time you read any one of the 13 or so epistles 
written by the Apostle Paul. That all that you get to read, Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 13, you know, uh, uh, we are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Or when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, or when you read 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, we all with open face beholding as in a glass or mirror the glory of the Lord to change in that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Or verse 13, we have the same spirit of faith. And if you ever have been blessed by one of those passages, remember that it all started from a guy who got a nickname for encouragement. You wouldn't be reading it. I wouldn't be reading it. If there hadn't been this guy called Barnabas who said, you know what? I'm not captured by the way someone's history sounds, but I'm captured by what their future can be. That's what encouragement is. It's incredibly powerful. So let me just give you five things quickly for you this morning to take home and meditate on, think about. Number one is that encouragement sees potential. But I've got to stop right there for a minute before you just get all worked up on that. I've got to stop there a minute because how many people here have ever been to a school speech night where every child was amazing? <laughs> there were no naughty kids. Every kid had something great. Now I'm sure they probably did, but after you've sat through about 55 of those, you start going, you know, you start learning the real language behind the language. James is very active in class. You know what that means, don't you? That means you can't shut him up and he just stirs up trouble and distracts the other kids. You know, generally speaking. You know, we live in a world that I think has forgotten the difference between encouragement and flattery. Encouragement sees potential. Flattery speaks to ego. Encouragement is about building someone up. Flattery is about fluffing someone up. Encouragement will help you be better. Flattery will just make you feel better. Amen. Remember the last time someone said to you, you know, you remind me of a movie star. And they didn't say Herman Munster. They said Brad Pitt. Come on, let's just be honest. How many men here have ever had someone say, you look like, you remind me of someone famous? Come on. None of you. What's the matter with you people? I've had them say to me, you know, you remind me of Glenn McGrath. And I go, well... Or, or some, well, in, in Singapore, they said, you look like that guitarist. I don't know who he was. <laughs> Somebody famous. But I know, I go away going, well, woo, the mirror does lie. <laughs> you remind me of Cher. We won't go there, just stay right away from all of that. See, encouragement builds up. Flattery just, well, flattery puffs up. Listen to me. Encouragement is not pretending. Well, got to find something good to say about him. Your teeth are like stars. They come out at night. 
Listen, encouragement's great, but let me, let me just drill down here and say this to you. Encouragement without correction will wreck you. Come on, if you're a believer here, if you're a follower of Jesus and you won't let any correction come to your life, I've met people, all they want is more encouragement, more encouragement, more encouragement, more encouragement. It's almost like they're trying to fill a hole in their life. And then when you try and give them correction so that that they can journey out of the hole they're in, they don't want to know that. Paul addresses that in the first epistle to the Thessalonians. He says, you want mothers, you don't want fathers. You want someone who will nurture you and care for you. He said, but you don't want anyone to correct you like a father would. So we're not talking here about pretending. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, talking about a prophetic ministry. And we'll have plenty of that happening, I know, at our deeper, stronger convention at Easter. There'll be lots of that. But prophetic word is not just about saying you're amazing and you can do it. I think so many people think that's the Holy Spirit's job is to tell you you can. But it's more than that. The Bible tells us he'll correct. It says, but whoever prophesies strengthens others, encourages them and comforts them. Well, I can't strengthen you if all I ever say to you is, no, don't worry about that issue. Don't worry about that misbehavior. You just keep on going. Amen. Build up, stir up and bind up. So encouragement sees potential, but it's not flattering. Secondly, is that encouragement lifts up. It lifts people up. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25, listen to it. It says, anxiety in the heart of man or a woman causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. And you don't have to be a celebrity social influencer in order to be able to give a good word to someone. I was thinking earlier in the service about a guy whose name I actually can't even recall. I remember his face. If I was an artist, I'd draw it. I remember going to see my first job on staff of what was then Christian Outreach Centre in Brisbane was to go and visit new Christians. And I remember going to visit this guy and somehow or other in the pressure of stepping into an entirely new space for me, I, I, I'd allowed some of the, the pressure of that to get in my soul. And I, I wasn't going there bleeding over him, but I certainly felt just low. And I remember going to see this guy and I'm there to encourage him and train him. And every time I visited him, he would say something to me that sounded like the voice of God. I literally went away after about the third or fourth time it happened, thinking to myself, I wonder if he's an angel. Because it was that uncanny. But he wasn't an angel. He was just this guy who'd allowed God to use him to encourage somebody, even though I'm supposed to be the one who's the big cheese. I'm supposed to be the one who's got the information. I'm supposed to be the one who's teaching him and instead he's helping me. Don't think to yourself, I'm too small. I'm too insignificant. I don't know enough to be able to bring a good word. If you are breathing, you can bring a good word to somebody else. Proverbs 15 verse 23 says a word spoken in season. Uh, how good is it? A word spoken in due season. But you know what I've discovered? I don't know when your due season is. You don't go around with a big sign saying, encourage me now, I'm having a tough time. Now, some people do go around with a big sign like that. It's called this. 
And often they don't get any encouragement because no one wants to hear the whole story of everything that's gone wrong. I don't always know your due season. So what have I got to do? What I've got to do is I've got to go around regardless of the season. That's why Paul said to Timothy, be instant in season and out of it. I don't know your season. So let me just encourage you no matter what it is. And if you are going well, then my encouragement won't hurt you. I've said to people, no one ever died of too much encouragement. I can't take, if I get any more encouragement, I'm just going to fall over. Huh? How many of you here, be honest, how many of you here go, I've got room for just a little more encouragement in my life? How many of you didn't raise your hand because you thought it was a trick question? (laughs) A couple of hands went up. Isn't that right? Nobody here is ever going to go, oh God. I don't go home to Ron and say, look, if anybody else encouraged me anymore, fair dinkum, I'm just going to lose it. Fair dinkum, I've I've had it up, I've had encouragement up to here. Come on. Encouragement lifts people up. You don't have to be a celebrity influencer. That young guy, oh, there was a, a man in our church just prior to this service. He came in to see Rhonda and he's on a disability pension. And he said, you know, uh, tell me about the, the uh, Women's International Day, International Day of Women brunch thing. And she said, well, you can't come. And he said, well, I wasn't thinking about coming. He said, I want to encourage another couple of women. And he pulled some money out of, his, out of his wallet. And he said, I want to sponsor somebody. And so he gave her the money to sponsor a couple of people to be able to come. Now, he's on a disability pension. But see, he doesn't go, well, who am I? He goes, no, I can be an encourager of others. And that's what he's done. Here's number three, encouragement builds endurance. Probably my favourite passage of the entire Bible is 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1, where David and his men come back to their home base called Ziklag, and it's burned with fire, and all their children and families have been taken captive. David's two wives, uh, they've been taken away as well. And it says that all the people, all his men, his, his group of men that were his team, they were all so broken and distraught. They all wept till they had no more power to weep. And then they thought, well, we can't cry anymore. What do we do? Let's kill David. And so that's always a bright idea. Uh, and so they're going to kill this guy that's got them out of the brokenness of their life and been such a help to them. And so they're going to do that. And this is what David says in verse 6. It says this, And David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. In the midst of incredible pressure, David encouraged himself. And it gave him the endurance because then he asks God, God, what do you want me to do? Shall I go after them? And the Lord says, pursue. You're going to, without fail, recover everybody. And so he gathers the men together and says, I've heard from God. And that one word of encouragement. And I think about that. Because point number four, if you're writing these down, is you've got to learn how to encourage yourself. Some people are great encouragers of others and they're they're the most vociferous critics of themselves. Oh, you're an idiot. Oh, I'm such a loser. I've got friends like that. I've got friends of mine like that that are preachers. And they'll preach up and tell everyone how awesome the power of God is. When I hear them talk about themselves, they go, oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I forget everything. And I look at them and go, you don't forget everything. 
And everybody forgets something. Huh? I've had teenagers that I'd say, take the rubbish out before you go to bed. And they'd forget it. But if I forget where I put my glasses, Dad, you're forgetting things. And I look at them and go, you can't remember to take the rubbish out. Come on, are you with me here? Because see, if you don't learn how to encourage yourself, well, well, you know, someone's just there going, oh God, send someone to encourage me. Mm. Oh God, is it that one? I went up and I talked to Pastor Bruce. He didn't encourage me at all. He just said, look, I don't know what's the problem with you. You click on that and 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 then you click on that. And all I heard was click. It's true. You ask Mitch, you ask Mitch how often, Mitch got a note this week saying, Pastor Jeff needs help. Now we already all knew that anyway. Mitch comes in holding up the note and he says, he says, Pastor, what does this mean? I went, I don't know. And then I went, oh yeah, Mitch, I didn't know how to do this on the computer. And he comes in there and, and like all these tech guys. <laughs> I say to my son-in-law, who's a computer genius, I, I just say, Ryan, I don't want to know. <laughs> Ryan, it hurts. <laughs> You've got to learn to encourage yourself. Philemon's only one chapter, but listen to verse 6. It says that the sharing of your faith might become effective. Not only the sharing of your faith towards others, telling them about Jesus, but what about the sharing of your faith towards heaven for the things you're praying for? That your faith might become effective by how? By telling God what a loser you are and saying to God, oh God, I'm sorry for the millionth time and I know you're sick of me coming. I know, Lord, you're tired of me. I'm the naughty kid of the church family. God, oh God, I don't know why you haven't killed me already. Well, see, if we're honest, that's the way some of us feel. And he says, no, the sharing of your faith becomes effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Come on. Come on. Oh, I've never heard God. God never speaks to me. I go, are you saved? If you say yes, I go, then you heard God. You just didn't know what he sounded like. Amen. Encourage yourself. Last one, number five. Encouragement, like all giving, brings blessing to the giver. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says, The generous soul will be made rich, and whoever waters other people, will get refreshed themselves. Amen. Here, listen, listen. If there'd be people here listening to me today and you need encouragement. I'm not going to say go out into the cafe and this magnificent church of perfection. Mm. Someone will just be moved by God. 
brother, I was over there and I had a vision of light coming around about you and I felt I should come and say to you, yay, yay and more yay. Yay and a whole lot of yay. The Lord said that. No, what, what should I do? Come on, if, you, if you're one of those people who say, I need encouragement, here's, here's my advice to you. Go and give it to someone else. Can I just encourage you, but first, can I tell you about my problems? No. Go and encourage somebody. I wouldn't know what to say to them. How about just saying, thank you. I love this. Now, I'm not American, and I know there's a whole lot of people aren't going to love a whole lot of things about America, and I know that right now I'm stepping into a little bit of a minefield, but too bad, because why not? I love the fact that in America they thank people for their service. I love that whether you're a policeman or whatever, they don't go, yeah, yeah, you mob. They thank them. When was the last time you went and just said, say thank you for, I've thanked doctors and say, thank you that you've spent a gazillion years studying and figured out how to do things. I'm glad for you. Thank you to all the teachers. When was the last time you went to your kid's teacher instead of saying, oh, you know, you, you give my kid another detention? How about going to him and saying, can I just say thank you for that? When was the last time you said to the barista, Hey, you make a great cup of coffee, thank you. Hey? Now, some of you are looking at me a bit like, mate, I'm Australian. Pull the other leg. We don't do that in Australia. We cut down the tall poppies. We don't grow them. And then you'll turn around and tell me how you're feeling low and you're not encouraged. I'm just saying, maybe it's time to give it. Amen. I know this. There will not be a person you'll meet this week that won't need or at least enjoy getting encouragement from you. And I know this, that there isn't one of you here that doesn't have the ability to be able to encourage. Now, some of you go, I'm not used to doing that. Maybe it's your culture, your upbringing, whatever. Maybe your mum, your dad, all they ever did was criticise. Well, you could reverse that. You could decide, I'm going to start a new culture called mine, called the kingdom. Heavenly Father, help us today. Oh God, we live in a world, Lord, where it seems like we get bombarded with everything wrong. God, you call us to live out of a different spirit. Right through your word, you tell us about the power of our words to bless and to heal, to build up and not tear down. Jesus, you took these ragtag bunch of men, these misfits, and called them apostles. You said, these are my chosen ones, my sent ones. Even Peter, who failed you so miserably, you said, Noah, I'm appointing him to be my spokesman. Father, thank you for the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for this church and for our worship teams, creative teams that pray over every one of these songs. They don't just go through a frequency chart and pick out what they haven't sung recently, but they pray about it. And God, we get encouraged by the Holy Spirit as a result of their dedication. We thank you for them. Now, God, I pray for people here that be somebody here who doesn't know what it's like to walk with Jesus, 
who thinks that being a Christian is a churchgoer rather than a Christ follower. So God, I pray for them today that they'll make the step to say yes to You. I pray for those online with us either right now or in the days to come who are right at this moment right now. Maybe they come from a different upbringing and they've never thought about what it means to be a Christian. They just thought, well, that's that bunch, that group. But Jesus, You're speaking to them like You spoke to Saul. You're saying, no, I want to come in and transform your life. Thank You for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Just while heads and bowed, eyes are closed, I don't know you all here. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Jeff, would you pray for me? I want Jesus in my life. Maybe you're even somebody who used to walk with God because I meet people like that. and They tell me about an experience they had, but it's back there. and They've lost their space and their place. And they need to come back to Christ. And if that's you, I want to pray for you as well this morning. Just while we're here in prayer, I'll talk what you can do after that in a minute online, how you can get some information that will bless you. But if that's you and you'd like me to pray with you, would you just slip your hand up wherever you are so I can see it and then put it back down again? I won't embarrass you. I'm going to help you today. If that's you, wherever you are, you say, Jeff, that's me. I want Jesus in my life. Look out in the balcony, of course, as well. We don't want to miss anybody out wherever you are. Don't be shy. You can just put it up. I won't do anything further that you're going to wish you hadn't put your hand up for. You're going to say, no, this is the best thing for my life in Jesus' name. You can come and talk to me later. I'll be in the cafe. I'd love to pray with you. If you're online, listen to me, but you can all look this way. If you're online or even if you're in the building, you can do this. We started this thing years ago called Yes Text. We recognised that we needed to be able to help people who couldn't always pray the prayer right then. Or maybe they just go, Jeff, just give me a moment, my first day here. I need to, I want to think about this a minute. So we have these yes texts coming through at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. As people say, I'm making my commitment to follow Christ. All you got to do if you're in Australia, you go to 0488 826392. You just send in Y-E-S. If you're outside of Australia or you'd like us to respond to you via email, you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, what we'll do after that is we will send you a Bible verse every day. I know some of you here, you hear me say this every week, every service. Well, stay with it. You're going to hear me say it for a long time. It's so important that we don't just simply make a moment decision, but we make a life decision. So I want to help you with that. So we'll send you a Bible verse and a prayer. It'll be still anonymous. We don't try and get a hold of your details. We're simply there saying we're praying for you and we're blessing you in Jesus' name. And I think that's a beautiful and a wonderful thing. Amen. 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 Well, here's someone online saying it's such a great encouragement there. Well, um, thank you for that. Moving in our midst I worship you I worship you Baby. 
Thank you that that is who you are. And Lord, though we will leave this space and this place, you'll go with us wherever we're going. And Holy Spirit, your encouragement will be there for us right throughout our days and nights. I thank you, Lord, there's nobody here that's going to a home where you won't visit. Nobody here is going to a business where you wouldn't turn up. No one here is going to a suburb or a city, Lord, where you would stand away from it. God, you're there with us. We thank you for that. God, I pray that we'll make a difference wherever we go, just because we are another Barnabas who sees potential and wants to build it and encourage it. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. Always oh, great to be with you now. Pastor Bruce is online. Solomon and Rosalind are out there in the prayer space. There he is waiting. And I believe, Solomon, you're going to pray prophetically with people. And God's going to show you things for people and give them answers today as they go there for prayer. God bless you. Don't forget tonight, online, grow. It's going to be great. God bless. We'll see you somewhere soon.